Remember this life lesson. The people closest to you determine your level of success. The reverse is also true. When you're around people, do you sap them from their energy? Or do you zap them to be better, to run towards where they need to be? Do they look at you and feel enthused to take life and be a better Christian? Philippians 2.14 says, Do everything without murmuring or questioning, so that you may prove yourself to be blameless, innocent, uncontaminated children of God without blemish in the midst of a morally crooked and spiritually perverted generation. Are we seeing that? Among whom you are seen as what? Bright lights, beacons, shining out clearly in the world of darkness. That is who we are called to be in your job wherever you are whatever you are doing when we walk in this integrity when we do this this is how we will shine our lights hello and welcome to the love key church podcast where we share our church's message of the week my name is heinz winkler and together with my wife children and our leadership team we host love key church here in somerset west online and on this podcast. It is our mission to help you to encounter God, align with His purposes, reign in life, and help others to do the same. We trust that you will find this message empowering, encouraging, and inspiring. Please share it with your friends and family and write a review for us. And a huge thank you goes out to those who have already done so. May you be thoroughly blessed as you listen to this message. As I prepared for this, I realized that this is a really important message that needs to go out. It's a really important message that everyone needs to hear that's in the workplace or has got a business. And if that is you today, I encourage you to open your heart today and just listen um, to what God is saying. (laughs) In the last year, we've looked at how to encounter God, uh, how to align ourselves with Him, and how to reign in life. And now we are busy looking at How do we then help others to do the same? We've been looking at Matthew 28 that says the following, and all of you should know it by now. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I will be with you always to the very end. We all know that as the great suggestion, right? No. It's the great commission. Something that we all need to do and that we have been called for. And today, we have called this worship. So I don't know if you know this, but the word in Hebrew for worship, work, and service is the same. And that is why if we work, it is as worship unto God. And that is why we call today's sermon, Worship. We live in a world where we all know that there is severe competition. We know of, when you switch on the TV or you just look in the newspaper, you see that there is corruption everywhere. People stealing. Um, We see all of this all over. And actually the Bible in 2 Timothy 3 says the following. People will be lovers of themselves. Lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, but lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. So we, we shouldn't be, we shouldn't be, we shouldn't be, is it then possible for Christians to excel in the workplace under these conditions? Can we really live in faith in the workplace? Can we effectively witness at our workplace, thus living out the Great Commission as what we read earlier? Or should we rather separate our life and our faith lives? These are questions that I've heard a lot of times when I speak to the believer. 1 Peter 2 verse 12 says, Keep your behavior excellent among the unsaved Gentiles. Conduct yourselves honorably with graciousness and integrity. Why? So by observing your good deeds, they may instead come to glorify God in the day of His visitation. So we see from this verse that 
We actually need to live in such a way, Jochemus, at work, that we bring glory to the name of God. So why? So that the people who see that can come to His light. But we'll get into that now. We need to ask ourselves, how do we, I glorify the Father in the workplace or in my business? How does my conduct and alignment with the Father help others to do the same? You see, we spend more than 60% of our time at work. I mean, if you get up at 7 and you go to bed at 10, you're lucky enough to do that. Not like Yanni getting up at 9, going to bed at 6. I'm doing the normal ones of us. It starts, say, at 7, and we go to bed at 10. That gives you what? 17 hours, if I'm correct. Looking at my wife, she's not great at math, but I think 17 hours. So that's nine hours of the 17 you'll spend at work. Let that sink in. Now, if that is the case, we should act, react, and conduct ourselves in such a way that we make an impact in this time. The word further says, you are the light of the world, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In that same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise our Father in heaven. I have learned that there's a few ways on how we can do this in the business. Well, I'm going to call it today the four E's. Okay, so just for the ease of getting into it. We will look at these four E's and then work through practical implementations, how we can reign in our workplace, very practically, and I'll base everything on Scripture. I want you to know today that if I make a statement, please check it to the Word. I will give you the Scripture, read it. Unfortunately, it's not going to be up there, but I'll give you all the Scriptures that God has placed on our heart to do this. I want to ask you just to close your eyes. Father, as I'm about to give the word that you've dropped in my spirit to your people, I ask that the words that will come out of my mouth, Father, that it will not be my own, but what you have placed, Father God. Father, I pray that it will land in good soil, that we won't just be hearers of the word, but that we will be doers of the word, that we will go out there, change and implement what we need to, Father God. Thank you, Father, that I know that this will change the way that we work and our ethics in work, Father God. I praise you for everything that you do for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so I'm going to start with a little story. Now, um, it's a story that all of you are well aware of, and I'm sure that all of you have read it many times, and that is the story of Joseph, the first one, not the second one, okay? Who has heard the story of Joseph? I think all of you. Right. So, Joseph was his father's favorite son. He was a shepherd. That was his first job. He was a shepherd boy. His brothers were very jealous of him. And he had a dream when he was, and this is very important, when he was 17 years old, he had a dream. And this dream showed that his family will bow to him one day. Oh, and that made his brothers even more jealous of him. So they devised a plan and they sold him into slavery. He had to walk 800 miles to Egypt, where he was then um, put into Potiphar's house. Now, I had to ask my wife, an Afrikaans, as Afrikaans gentleman, we say Potiphar, right? So, I think Potiphar, yes, she, she, she had a little song. What was that song? <laughs> so, she said Potiphar, okay. So, anyway, in his house. And then, living with integrity there, his wife took a liking into, into Joseph, and Joseph ran from this. And yet he got into trouble. And he was thrown into jail. And in jail, that was his third job, being in jail, being the welcoming committee. Um, he met two people. And the one was the cupbearer. And he had a dream. And he said to him, well, your dream um, means that you will be reinstated in your job. But when this happens, please remember me. And so it happened. And the cupbearer got his job back. And the Bible says two years later, more than two years later, he remembered when Pharaoh had a dream. And Pharaoh had a dream about a seven um, fat yara and he said, I'm going through the seven fat years right now. <laughs> I'm praying for the seven mariara. It's coming in faith. 
I don't know why you guys are laughing. You should say, no, it's not true. This is where he started his fourth job, coming into Pharaoh's um, courts. And he, he said, well, this is the dream. And he said, well, listen, because no one else knew of this, I want you to oversee everything. And he became the MD of that country. And that was his fourth job, where he was only second to Pharaoh in the, in, in the land. And I want to stop there because that is a very important um, part of what I'm speaking about today. Many people find the story of Joseph in Genesis very inspiring. There are many who are inspired by his beliefs and his, and his faith and how he stood. But there's always a lot of people that also identify with the hurt and the betrayal and the jealousy. And, and they look at that and they see themselves in that. We need to take note that even in this treatment, this never deterred him from his mission. It didn't sink Joseph. I believe it motivated him to be even more successful in what he did. Your work ethic is part of your Christianity. So it is important that we speak about this. It is important that we look at this major key that is part of your life. If you do not have, listen to this, if you do not have strong character and is grounded in Father's promises and don't stick to them, you will be dictated to by the world. And before you know it, you will look like it, you will speak like it, and there will be no difference, and you will lose the ability to shine your light in His kingdom. When you are at work, you go as a representative of who? Of God. If we are a representative of God, it means that people should see Him in us. And that is what I want to speak to you about today. How do we set the standard? Now that I've set the scene, I'd like to go into the four E's. Just by the way, Genesis 39.5 says, From the time he put him in charge of his household and all that he has owned, this is Pharaoh, the Lord blessed who? Joseph. No. The Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. So when we are in a workplace or where we found ourselves in a job, if we live out our ethics, if we stand on the Christianity principles, the place that we find ourselves will be blessed. That is what makes you different. And if that's not happening, this word is for you today. Say amen. Amen. It's maybe because I don't have that dramatic sound that Heinz always have in the end. Come on, let us play. Anyway. I don't have a lot of time and now I'm being silly. Sorry. So the first E. Be energetic. <laughs> it, wasn't now, it wasn't now, later. Be energetic and not lazy. Be energetic and not lazy. It's a biblical principle. Both the Old and the New Testament are crystal clear on the necessity of energetic work as opposed to laziness. Actually, Proverbs mock laziness quite a bit. Actually, in the New Testament, it mocks laziness quite a bit. Listen to this. Do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. The sluggard, the lazy person says, there's a lion in the road. There's a lion in the streets. Now, let's just be clear. There's no lion in the street. It's just an excuse for him not to go to work. They look for excuses why they can't work. As a door turns on its hinges, so does a sluggard or a lazy person in his bed. I don't want to go to work. Oh, I'd rather stay in bed today, God. <laughs> Laziness is not a godly principle. This is Proverbs 26, by the way. No one has ever been both faithful to God and lazy. It is impossible. But perhaps the most severe warning comes from Paul. If anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse off than an unbeliever. 1 Timothy 5.8 There is no escaping this. 
Godliness is associated with hard work. Must I say that again? Godliness is associated with hard work. You cannot be lazy and be a godly employee. Hardest must my betal for you and There are three types of people. Those that make things happen. Those are the guys with energy, enthusiasm. Then there's those that see what is happening. Well, at least they're there. And then there's those that wonder what just happened. Those are the lazy people. We shouldn't be those. When Joseph was down and out, he got up, he got over it, and he got on with it. The word says that when you run out of energy, you need to energize yourself. Let's see it as that Tesla energy box. And there is a verse in the Bible that tells you, when you run out of steam, how do I energize myself? It's Isaiah 40, 31 that says, But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up like wings like eagles, and they shall run and not grow weary. Those who wait. Now, you can go back in our sermons and our podcast. I spoke about this. The kavah, that wait means kavah. That is that moment of tension where you rely completely on the strength of God, on His promises, on His faith. That is how we renew our strength. So the first thing is, the first E is be energetic and not lazy. The second one is have enthusiasm. <laughs> That's on cue. Where's the spring? <laughs> the way you glorify God in your work is by working at it with all your heart. That means that you should maintain enthusiasm in your work. Listen to this. The word enthusiasm comes from entheos, which means in God. The more we are in God and God in us, the more enthusiasm we will show. Let me say that again. Enthusiasm comes from the word entheos, which means in God. It is impossible to be in God and God in you and not be enthusiastic about life. It is impossible. I've bold this, so I think this is very important. Enthusiasm is the bridge between mediocrity and excellence. Enthusiasm is the bridge between mediocrity and excellence. One thing we see in Joseph's life is what, that whatever he did turned into something of substance. Something that was excellent. The word also says rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Rejoice always. Have enthusiasm. Let me say this. I think that it's much easier to show enthusiasm when your job spec is being the salesperson that's in front and you, and you get to see all the people or you're the general manager and you get to meet all these people and um, you may be on a stage and you're speaking and you can show enthusiasm rather than the person that's sitting doing the debtors or somebody that's sitting and they have to phone somebody to hear why they're not paying. Or, and it's always easy to be enthusiastic in those roles, right? Wrong. If we look at Joseph... We see that, listen guys, we know the end result of Joseph's story. It is easy to know a story and see the success he had at the end. But in between, he was sold and he had to walk to another country. He was thrown into jail and yet he excelled in everything that he did. Do not take the position that you are and say, well, you don't know my position. Even in that position... You can have enthusiasm. Well, it wasn't the position that drove him, but rather his character. Your position shouldn't drive your character. It should be that I want to show my character to the world that God has placed inside of me. It is the enthusiasm. There's a, there's a saying, sorry, I'm just thinking about this. That says, 
your attitude will determine your altitude. Your attitude will determine your altitude. And that is exactly what I'm talking about. So, the first E, be energetic. The second one, have enthusiasm. The third one, strive for excellence. Strive for excellence. If we want to strive for something, we need to know what it is. Now, according to the dictionary, the state or quality or condition of excelling, the quality of being outstanding or extremely good. Wherever you are placed, be excellent, outstanding, extremely good. Joseph had four jobs. First, he was a shepherd. When he was a shepherd, we kind of can see, the Bible doesn't say this, but he did a good job because his dad liked him a lot. I know when um, Joshua and Liam don't want to pack the dishes away or whatever, don't do it as well, Jackie doesn't love them as much, okay? <laughs> she won't make them a Technicolor dream coat, okay? She takes away some of the stuff. So I, just through seeing how much his, do- how much his dad loved him, I believe that he did his job with excellence. And then he was hated, and his second job was when he got to Egypt. He was in um, Potiphar's house. And there he excelled until he was thrown into jail. And he said, well, this won't get me under. And then he was first the welcoming committee, and then we see that everyone that came into jail had to report to him. So again, excelled. Doesn't matter where he is. His fourth job was being the MD of the country. And I don't have to tell you how well he did with that. You don't know my, my boss. You don't know the people I work with. It is not a Christian environment. Oh, I don't have the education other people have. Oh. Let's stop making excuses and start doing our job with excellence. Let me just say this. Joseph was in a far worse situation than where you are right now. In my preparing, I I realized something very interesting. Even from a very long time ago, God has never accepted second best. This was quite a revelation to me. In Leviticus 22, and then let's stick with that, in Deuteronomium 17.1, God tells the people he will not accept an animal with blemish from them as a sacrifice. When God required a sacrifice, he required the best, the best animal they had. It is thus imperative that when we say that work and worship is the same, that through our work we worship him like what he wanted them to give their best. Because remember, they plow the land. That is what, what was their job. They then took the best produce they have. They then put it on the altar and they sacrificed that as a worship. Who are we then not to be the best and excellent in what we do at work? Isn't that how we then offer up what we've got? Yet we read that and we don't do that in our jobs. I will take the quietness that you all need to think about this. Thank you. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, Therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always excelling in the work of the Lord, always doing your best and doing more than is needed, being continually aware that your labor even to the point of exhaustion in the Lord, and that it's not futile, nor wasted, and it's never without purpose. I didn't write that. That's from the Word. Let me say this. I read once that the habit of doing things the last minute, we call it a name, I think it's procrastination, that is the enemy of excellence. The habit of doing things the last minute is the enemy of excellence. We, re- we need to resist the urge of doing things the last minute. You see, when we start doing things in the last minute, it is a rush job. We can't be excellent when we rush something. What does the word say about this? In Proverbs 21, 5, it says, The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty 
It only comes to poverty. Let's not be hasty. Let's plan. In his book, When God Builds a Church, Rob Russell states, people who are committed to mediocrity will resent excellence. They'll say, you're too into performance, or it's all just a show, or a big moneymaker. But it's not about performance. Excellence is about utilizing your gifts to build the body and the kingdom. It is about giving Christ your first fruits. It's about doing everything we can for Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? I wanted to say, uh, where's my fellow musos to just, but I'm not a muso. I once tried to play guitar and it didn't work out. So when I sing, it's got the opposite of what you guys did this morning, okay? So I said to Jackie, this is the only part that I'm, because I hope that I say this and I do it justice. The name Stradivarius, does anyone know what that is? Okay, I hope I say it right. It's synonymous with fine violence, up to $16 million for a violin. This is true because Antonius Stradivarius insisted that no instrument constructed in his shop will be sold until it was near perfection. Stradivarius said, God needs violence to send his music into the world. And if any violence are defective, God's music will be spoiled. His work philosophy was summed up in one sentence. Other men will make their violence, but no man shall make a better one than me for God. And I thought, is that not amazing? If we can take that and make that our own, that when we work, that we do it so excellent, so that every time that somebody sees what we're doing, they go, surely that must be God. Because it's not amazing. That is incredible. It just, it just took me. Genesis 1 tells us of God's commitment to excellence. When, he said, when God made everything and he saw it, he said, it is very good. It is excellent. Even him did it in excellence. Christians should always do great work. We ought to be the best workers wherever we are. We should have the best attitude, the best integrity, and the best dependability. If what survey studies tell us is true, we've got a big problem because they say there's a little, there's little difference between the work ethics of Christians and non-Christians. And this is a cause for alarm. You see, it's the difference between how we conduct ourselves in business and how the world does it that will give us that window to shine. That window so that we can say, this is what's different in me. If we look the same and feel the same and speak the same as people in the world, we've got a problem. So, be energetic, have enthusiasm, and strive for excellence. And then my fourth E. Now, I'm Afrikaans. This is a disclaimer. I'm Afrikaans, so I may spell this with an E. It's integrity. I must tell you, my laptop rebelled, my phone rebelled, this thing is just showing me red, it's wrong. I'm saying for today, to have the fourth E, Rochelle, it's integrity, okay? Okay. Integrity is the quality of being honest and having strong moral principles. Listen to this. Joseph was able to maintain his integrity because he was not concerned with what man thought. He did not consider the benefits or consequences of his actions based on what Potiphar or his wife or anyone would say. He worked with enthusiasm, energy, and excellence to fulfill his job spec. He was in control of building the silos and general managing everything that was around him. He didn't browse Facebook, or online shopping, or watch videos of cats falling off desks, making you laugh, in the time he was paid to do his work. He remembered to do everything as unto God. That is integrity. You see, we all want Joseph's life, and we all want the success he had at the end. But to have that, you have to walk in excellence and integrity. You have to be able to say no to certain things, to be able to have that. 
Proverbs 27 says, 20 verse 7 says, The righteous man who walks in integrity and lives life in, in this accord, he will have godly beliefs. How blessed and happy and spiritually secure will his children not be because they have an example to follow. If we walk in integrity, even our children will see it and they will be blessed. But how does God view integrity? In Job 2, 3, it says, Then the Lord asked Satan, Have you noticed my servant Job? He is the finest man in all the earth. He is blameless, a man of complete integrity. He fears me and stays away from evil, and he has maintained his integrity, even though you urge me to harm him without cause. We see that integrity is when we still love and fear God, even through troubled times. That's integrity. This was a bit of an Aino moment for me. Listen to this. Proverbs 2, verse 6 to 8 says, For the Lord grants wisdom. From his mouth came knowledge and understanding. He grants a treasure of common sense to the honest. Listen to this. He is a shield to those who walk with integrity. To whom? Those that walk in integrity. He guards the path of the just and protects those who are faithful to him. Let me just read this again. He is the shield to those who walk with integrity. God, I pray that you will put a shield around my business. And then we do underhanded business with somebody. God, I pray that you will put a shield around my family. But my family can't even see me walking in integrity within the family space. God, please give me a promotion. I need this. Shield me in this job that I'm doing. But then I steal time from the business. If we do not walk in integrity, we cannot ask God to shield our business and our family and our, uh, our job space. If we want to minister to people at work, we need to make sure that we do our job with integrity. When we do business with integrity, it makes us different. We stand out. It is in this moment that people will want to know, what is different about you? Paul taught Titus a strong lesson in integrity. I'm going to read this from Titus 2. Similarly, encourage the young men to be self-controlled. In everything, set them an example by doing what is good. In your teaching, show integrity, seriousness, and soundness of speech. That cannot be condemned so that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about you. Listen to this. In your teaching, show integrity. Same verse. Seriousness and soundness of speech. Let me ask you, does your speech show integrity at work? Soundness of speech means that God is glorified through everything that I say. That is a biblical and God-fearing thing. Are you crude in your words at work? Do you swear often and lose your temper all the time? Do you speak about your colleagues or do you gossip? What does the speech look like that comes out of your mouth? Now, I always say to Jackie that we must always be careful of people that speak about, or speak about other people when they're with you. Because when you're not with them, they'll speak about you too. But the other side is also true. We need to say like David, Lord, search me. Show me your ways. Start with me. Let me walk with integrity. Let me check the way that I speak to, to people. Let me check what is coming out of my mouth. That every word that departs from my mouth, I say in integrity. Ephesians 4.29 says, Do not let unwholesome, foul, profound, worthless, vulgar words ever come out of your mouth, but only such speech as is good for building up others according to the need and the occasion. Why? So that it will be a blessing to those who hear it. Isn't that amazing? Are you guys still there? I always tell the boys, integrity. I should actually get him up here to come tell you. Now he's sweating. <laughs> Integrity is not what we do when people are looking. Integrity is what we do 
when we are alone. When you're alone in your, alone in your office and you've got time, are you playing Tetris on the PC? Is there still Tetris on the PCs? I don't know. I just remember my wife being by Artia because Tetris is not on the cell phones anymore. But, or Snake, what is that thing on the phone? Are you doing that? What are you doing when, you're, when your peers are not around? That is integrity. Okay, so now we've looked at the four E's. Be energetic, have enthusiasm, strive for excellence, and always have integrity. So looking at this, I want to just leave you with the last few things. It's just an hour, then we finish. It's just five minutes, then we finish. We need to look at how do I then use these four E's, and how do I practically implement this into my workspace? Well, the th first thing we really see from Joseph all the time is you need to have a vision or a dream. What is a vision or a dream? It is seeing by faith. Okay, and we all know that faith is the evidence, the promises of things hoped for, yet not seen. But this is seeing by faith the desired future God has for you. Proverbs 29, 18 says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. Habakkuk 2, 2 says, Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision. Make it plain. Write it down. And engrave it plainly on the tablets so that the one who reads it will run towards it. I thought somebody's getting standing up out of the dead here. This is a good word. This is a good word, God. I'll hear you. Holy Spirit coming down. That's incredible. Thanks. Knows your Amelie. See your Amelie. Amelie. You look cool. Where was it? Even if it's just me, you guys need to come close to this stage. I'll now preach like the evangelists. Okay. Oh, fate. Okay. Let's come back. Let's come back. Let's come back. Let's come back. Sorry, Chavi. I can't even speak on so. Habakkuk 2.2 says, write the vision. Make it plan. Write, write it down. Why? Why? So that those who read it will run to it. God has got a unique plan for you. The way that He's going to maybe communicate to you will be different. Maybe it isn't with a dream. Maybe it is a vision. Maybe it is through somebody else. Maybe it is through um, the Bible. Maybe it is through something that you will read. But He will give you your dream. Let me tell you this, like with Joseph's story, we see that we must be careful who we then tell this dream or share these dreams with. Not everyone will like your dream. They'll become jealous. You have to build your dream on God's promises. In, if you come to our office, you'll see that I think it's about 17 years ago, our business was based on biblical um, promises that was given to Aaron. Those promises, that vision is still, we, if you come into my office, you'll see it on our wall. It is the foundation of what we do. If anyone comes in there, they can see. Why? So that they can run to it. That's the vision. When we feel, why are we doing what we're doing? That is what we keep our eye on. That is what we read. And that is what encourages us to keep on doing it. That gives us the energy, the enthusiasm to run towards what God has put on our heart. That's not our dreams or what we thought, but that is what God gave us. It's important for you to have a dream. The second thing is Joseph learned to serve and don't complain. Now my friend Reinhard, he's a fly sapphire, he's a pilot. It's not that complain, complain, complain. <laughs> not that one, Okay. Let's just agree that a few things in Joseph's life did not go according to plan. Firstly, he was sold into slavery. Now here, some of us will say, okay, that's it. Checking out. No ways. Then he served with excellence. He was the best in what he did. He had integrity and he was thrown into jail. By this stage, we would have said, absolutely not. 
we would have gone Karen on them. Okay, do you know Karen? Call the manager. I want to see you right now. What's happening here? I will not accept this. Go to the CCMA. Do something. But Joseph kept the course because he knew he had a dream. Then he, was, he helped somebody and he said, listen, don't worry. I will remember you. Two years, more than two years went past before he remembered him. Now I'm sure in that stage, Drikas, if that was you, I would have, you would have seen 97 missed calls on your phone. <laughs> Messages saying, I'm sure two years is enough, but now you have to come through for me. No. He kept the vision. He kept his integrity. He worked with excellence. He didn't murmur or complain. You can't be a blessing if you complain all the time. Remember this life lesson. The people closest to you determine your level of success. The reverse is also true. When you're around people, do you sap them from their energy? Or do you zap them to be better? To run towards where they need to be? Do they look at you and feel enthused to take life? And be a better Christian. Philippians 2.14 says, Do everything without murmuring or questioning, so that you may prove yourself to be blameless, innocent, uncontaminated, children of God without blemish in the midst of a morally crooked and spiritually perverted generation. Aren't we seeing that? Among whom you are seen as what? Bright lights. Beacons shining out clearly in the world of darkness. That is who we are called to be. In your job, wherever you are, whatever you are doing, when we, when we walk in this integrity, when we do this, this is how we will shine our lights. Yo, Jesus taught us a lesson in serving. If you are doing your job for the approval of Jesus, you'll always do more than the bare minimum. In the time of Jesus, I don't know if you guys know this, it, they were under Roman law. So when a Jew was close to a Roman soldier, he could hand them his sword and everything that he had with him. And they had to carry that for precisely a mile. Okay? And then they will complain all the time, carrying this heavy stuff. And then when it's a mile, I'm sure they counted the steps or something, they will drop it and leave it there. And say, oh, that's me. That's done. Listen to this, what Jesus said. Matthew 5, 41 says, If someone forces you to go one mile, now this is what I've just spoken, Jesus spoke about that. If you never knew that's what it was, that's what it was. Who knew that it was that? Paul, hey, fantastic. Oh, but you wrote this, Paul. Um, anyway. <laughs> if someone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Second mile people always excel. I always say that on this second mile, there's no traffic jams because there's not a lot of people there. Not a lot of people want to serve by going further. That second mile that Jesus said we should do. You know, I thought about our business. And when people walk into our business, we always go the extra mile making coffee, making sure that there's something for them to eat if, if we've got something. If it's not, we'll go fetch some, something. We always give them a gift. Rochelle has been there. She knows. You go, you go away three kilograms heavier. Why? Because we want to serve the people that come there. We want to go the extra mile. Why? So that we look better? Do you know how many emails and messages we get to say, we got to your office and we just felt the kingdom there? What do you do? That's amazing. I'm going to implement this wherever we are. That is how we serve. Through excellence. The third thing. Learn the art of perseverance and patience in this time of an instant gratification world. Let me say that again. Learn the art of perseverance and patience in the time of instant gratification world. It took Joseph 13 years before he saw his dream being realized. Yet he persevered 
And wherever he served, he served with energy, enthusiasm, excellence, and integrity. When we learn the art of perseverance and keeping on, praying without ceasing, plowing the land with perfect character, it is in this time that we will meet the God of suddenly. Let me explain. In the art of perseverance, Joseph kept on going, knowing that he's got a dream. Somebody comes around his path, and remember, he's persevering, and it was the cupbearer. And he said to the cupbearer, hey, please remember me. And he said, of course I will. Two years later, listen to this, in that two years, Joseph is keep on going, keeping on going, keeping on going, doing what he's supposed to do. Suddenly, the cupbearer remembers him. And Joseph's whole life changes. It is in that art of persevering and having patience and doing constantly what we are supposed to do that we will meet the God of suddenly. Maybe you feel stuck where you are right now. Maybe you feel that, well, I'm just doing my job all the time. Let me tell you, do it with excellence. Do it as unto the Lord. And you will see that that is where God will meet you. That is where you will make an impact. No can you let me see. Fourthly, in all you do, give God all the glory and acknowledge Him in everything that you do. This is the most important thing. Listen to this in Colossians 3. It says, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Whatever you do, work it all with your heart as working for the Lord. Work as is unto the Father. Ultimately, it is Him that promote. Genesis said, and Isaac plowed the land of famine. That means that he was working and plowing. He was, a, he was a farmer, so he was doing the job there in the land of famine. And what is that second part of that verse is? And God caused him to prosper. God caused him to prosper. 1 Corinthians 3, 7 says that neither he who plants anything nor him who waters can give, but it's God who gives the increase. Whenever I finish a meeting with somebody, um, and a lot of you have been in meetings with me, um, there's a lot of you here, or three or four of you that's come for an interview, you will know that when I'm finished, I will pray with you. It doesn't matter who comes into my office. I pray with them when we are finished. This is my way. If we're going to spend 60% of our day in the office, in, this, in the boardroom, in our, with these people at work, we need to be the light. Why do I pray with them? Why do I sit with them? A lot of times the, inter, the interviewers that come in, uh, interviewees that come in, when I speak to them and I open my eyes after I've prayed for them, they're sitting there crying. And I ask, but why? And they say, this is the first time that anyone has ever prayed for me. This is the first time that I've gone into a meeting and somebody made just time to speak with me about this. Thank you for praying for me. You won't believe it. This and this and this and this is a problem. Isn't that what we are called to do? Isn't that being the light? By doing our jobs excellently. This must be part of that. Let's make our workplace our biggest evangelical tool. We are called to be different. When we put His kingdom first and walk in excellence, energy, enthusiasm, and integrity, God will come through for us every single time. Don't lose hope. Persevere and have patience. The God of suddenly is still on the throne. And He will hear your cry. Amen. I want to ask you that 
if there's anyone here today, like myself, that want to stand with me and just say, but God, I feel that I'm not doing my job excellently. I don't feel that I've got the energy. I don't feel that I've got enough integrity. If that is you today, I want to ask you to stand with me so that we can say a prayer and dedicate our jobs and our businesses to God. If that is you today, I want to ask you to stand, please. There at home, if it's you, I want you just to to pray this prayer with us. Father, thank you so much that your word is a wealth of knowledge. That when we read your word, we can see these instructions for us, how to do our jobs excellently. But Father, I want to pray today that your Holy Spirit will take control of our bodies. Father, that when we are at work, that we will excel in everything that we do. That we will have enthusiasm and energy and integrity, not for our own gain, but Father, so that people can see who is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Father, that we will always be mindful that this is not to, to, for us to shine, but Father, for you to shine through us, Father God. Help us to make a lasting impact. Father, we look at at South Africa, Father God, and we see a lot of um, plundering and we see a lot of corruption. Father, I ask that you will help us to be the difference, Father God. A lot of people, Father, run out of energy. I ask that we will sit at your feet, Father God, that we will look at you, that we will wait on you, Because that is where we will renew our strength. Thank you that we can pray that. Thank you, Father, that you say in your word that everyone that asks for wisdom will receive it, Father God. And I ask for wisdom in our jobs, Father God. Thank you, Father, that as we go home, that we will be doers of the word, Father God. That we will go out and go change the way we do things. How we conduct ourselves. That we will be mindful of you and your word, Father God. And that we will take our jobs as an offering to you, Father, and give it to you. Thank you for that and thank you for your strength. We pray that in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you so much for listening to the Love Key Church podcast message of the week. I trust that you had a life-changing encounter with God that will help you to align with His purposes so that you can be one step closer to reigning in life. And may you be inspired to share this with others. Have a great week and remember to listen again next week or you can catch us live online or come visit us in person. May God bless you and keep you. Make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you and your loved ones. God bless you. Bye-bye.